You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. <laughs> Everybody's got a price, it's the million dollar man. <laughs> Podcast in demand. Understand. Everybody's got a price, million dollar man. Everybody's got a price, million dollar man. Everybody's got a pod, it's the million dollar What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo. We are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, I am joined by the million dollar man himself, the master of the million dollar dream, Hall of Famer, Ted DiBiase. Ted, what's going on, man? Marcus, it's you, buddy. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of like, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's hard to, it's hard to say. It's, it's kind of like I've been, uh, Kind of sad recently, you know, with all, all all the stuff going on with, uh, you know, with Vince, you know, that's, you know, that's heart, heart wrenching, really. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like, uh, it's a double edged sword there. I mean, you know, one part of me is, you know, I'm, I'm so, you know, if it hadn't been for Vince, you know, where wrestling has gone would have never happened. Right. Uh, by the same token, you know, um, when you look at some of the things that, you know, he's been accused of doing, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just really, it's just sad. I, I can't, I can't say it any, in any other way. It's just sad. I, I mean, I, you know, it makes me wonder, <clears throat> You know what? What? What are? What are his children thinking? Yeah. You know when they read that stuff, um, it's just sad, man. I mean, here's the thing too: is like, you know, you, we don't really think about all the people that this impacts. Uh, so yes, Vince's children. You know, I know he's been estranged from his wife for a while, but still, his wife has got to read that. Her last name is still McMahon, so she's dealing with it. Uh, but how about his grandchildren? Like, he just had a grandson who made some national news because uh, he looks just like Vince, and he's playing college football. And you know, a kid was saying like, "Oh yeah, one day I'd love to take over the WWE." And and now there's that news, and it's like all of a sudden looking like Vince McMahon, maybe not a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's but as you said, it's hard to come to terms with the whole thing because it's, you know, here's a guy who provided us with many, many years of entertainment, some of these yeah. incredible, indelible moments. Guys like you and Ted or and, and Jake and Hacksaw and other guys I work with, he provided you guys with an income, yeah. a way to feed your families. And yeah. so but then you hear all this awful stuff and it's like, man, it's uh it's it's hard to come to terms with, isn't it? Yeah, it really, it really is, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, yeah, it, it leaves me speechless. It's kind of like, uh, this, the million dollar man is going to say this. There are some things money can't buy and money cannot buy integrity. Man, the million dollar man saying that resonates, uh, you know, certainly, yeah, yeah, certainly uh, puts things into perspective. And uh, Ted, that'll bring us to our notes. I'm ready to jump into this subject. There's certainly a lot to discuss. It's February 1997 in WCW. 
And uh, the, the first thing I've got to talk to you about is that the February 3rd edition of The Observer reports that Randy Savage has officially re-signed with the company for a limited amount of dates and a million dollars per year. Ted, did you ever imagine when you were breaking into wrestling that anyone would be getting paid that kind of money? Uh, no. How how could you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and it's, it's kind of like the old NFL and the new NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, like I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of very old football players uh, who who were you know who were still alive you know maybe not too many of them but like you know back when the whole thing started and you know and talk about what they were getting paid and you know when football season's over it wasn't like they could live off of what they had earned they had to go get a job right or they had to work another job well you know that's the same thing with wrestling you know it's kind of like uh, that kind of money was almost unheard of you know. It's just crazy because, you know, as a kid, I'm watching and I just assume that everybody on screen is a millionaire. I'm like, well, this you know, there's an action figure of this guy. Of course, he's a millionaire. You know what I mean? But yeah. then it's like you find out years later that some guy's just working like a regular job. Uh, yeah. So it's hard to keep up, make a full time living in wrestling for like decades upon decades like you yeah. and Jim and so many others did. Right. Yeah. And the toll it, take, it took on our bodies. I mean, you know, by the grace of God, you know, it's like I, um, I you know. I haven't had any real serious uh, injuries. In term. I, mean, I had a, um, and this showed up years later. This is this is like uh, uh, the doctor. The way he described it, he said, "He says, he says, what's the basic bump you took, Ted?" And I said, "From my feet to my back, you know." And so he says, "Every time you hit that mat, you know." He says, "Because what I had done is I had herniated two discs in my neck." Mm-hmm. And, you know, the whole thing there that, you know, you know, like when, when you take a bump as a wrestler, you always do this. You tuck, you tuck your chin and, and it becomes second nature, you know, because, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to hit the mat and knock yourself out. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so, uh, but he said time after time, after time, after time, he says, he says, you know, it, it, it affect, you know, so I had. Two discs, I think uh, the disc between C five and C six. Those two discs, I had those. T- they they t- they take them out and they replace them with something that's, you know, artificial. But but it, and then and it's fused. I have, but I have found out there are a lot of guys like me that have had the same surgery. Oh yeah, I think Jake had it. Yes, sir. He did, and a number of other guys that I've heard about have yeah. uh, dealt with this with herniated discs in their neck. And I'm sure you're yeah. right; it has probably has everything to do with bumping. And yeah. here's the thing: is everybody has to take bumps, including these guys who then went to, had to go on and get shoot jobs, as they call them, you yeah. know, uh, working security or doing whatever. It's like, man, uh, the, a lot of uh, very fortunate folks have uh, managed to make a living in wrestling, you know, for their whole lives and not yeah. have to do that. So, man, uh, God bless you guys. But, you know, when you when you hear this figure from uh, from Savage, that he's making this amount of money now for context. Uh, they also had the uh, Slim Jim deal as a result of getting Savage, which brought them. It was something like five or six hundred thousand dollars a year. So really, WCW is paying Savage, whatever. It's five or four hundred thousand dollars a year. So but still, it's I mean, he's making a million dollars a year. So it's an awful lot of money. Yeah. Like when you hear a figure like that. 
I mean, is there a piece of you that's like, ah, damn, I should have kept working? Or are you in a comfortable enough position that you're satisfied making what you're making? Well, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I never made that much, but you know, I, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't, I wasn't too far off, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, by the same token, it's, it, it's, um, um, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I, I made enough money and I, you know, and I, the other thing I did is I saved my money. Mm. A lot of guys, I mean, it's kind of like, I remember this guy's name is, his name is Bill Dromo, old wrestler. I, you know, I, I, you'd probably have to look him up. You know, he was, and I, I had this conversation with him in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, in a Waffle House. Mm. Late at night, you know, uh, like at like two o'clock in the morning after a show, and uh, and and I, and I was very young at the time. I had just started, I, you know. I, you know, I think it was like the f- the first summer I worked in 1975, and uh, and he said he said that to me. He says, "Kid, he, he, you know, you don't remember anything else I tell you. Remember this: it's not how much you make." It's how much you save. Yeah. Just, there's a lot of people who've made great money in our business and they blew it all, you know, with the wild living and, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, what's uh, the, the song? What, how does Rick sing the song? <laughs> what is it like? Uh, the limo riding and jet flying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that, was that what you mean? Rick? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I don't, you know, and, and and again, you know, Rick's my, my my friend. I love him to death. I, you know, I don't, I don't know how, you know, and I'm obviously he made very good money. Uh, you know, but I would, you know, I would venture to say if if, if Rick could could go back now and go, golly man, you know, maybe I should have saved some more. But I mean, and and I don't know how well off he is. I mean, I, you know, obviously he's not having. You know, he's not having to go out and find a job, you know, yeah. so he, he did very well, but, but he, he, he was notorious for spending a tremendous amount of money in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> the old, uh, the old thing with Rick was he would always tell people, uh, I've spent more money on spilled liquor than you made in a year. And some people have like done the math on that and said like, you know, it might be true. Because he was apparently buying shots for the whole bar and like throwing some of the shots oh, yeah. over his shoulder. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, man, uh, that's that's a man that you know, if nothing else, he's lived a hell of a life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and and to Rick's credit, Rick was one hell of a worker. Absolutely. Yes, he was. You know, nobody could take that from me. I you know I, you know and I you know he and I never got to, we worked a few times but. Man, I would I would have loved to have been able to just work a whole program with him. There's so. footage out there that I saw recently of you and he working in Mid South, but yeah, like you guys, to your point, you guys never really got a full blown program with some storytelling yeah. and stuff. It was just a match, so uh, man, yeah. it could have been something. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny to hear that uh, you learned that lesson in the Waffle House. It just goes to show that really wonderful <laughs> things happen in Waffle House. Every time you go in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
the business is really, really hot here, and so are merch sales. This Super Brawl pay-per-view that's coming up this month, the uh, for advances, uh, fans are actually camping out in San Francisco, which Meltzer says he never even saw back when the WWF was in its prime run with Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, and WCW is also apparently raising the prices of NWO t-shirts at this time because they were selling so well. Ted, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Were you seeing any of the money from the merch sales for NWO stuff? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that you guys were all just on guaranteed contracts and that what you make is what you make. But man, yeah. it's uh, yeah. a, an absolute fortune was made on those NWO shirts. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that, and see, and that's the other thing too. You know, I game at the very beginning, you know, I mean, you know, when I, I was there when Hulk Hogan was still the guy, mm-hmm. you know, so this is years later and having come from out of, out of, out of having no contract, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, to having to sign a contract but you know, there at the beginning, it was almost like um, you know, you, you, there, there's you, you didn't have anything to bargain with. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's no way back then you could go, okay, Vince, I'd be happy to wrestle for you, but uh, you're gonna call me the million dollar man. That's that's what that's how much money I want. You know, right? And right. He, he probably showed me the door. That was the old way of the business, and it was the accepted standard. But, yeah, I mean, you know, standards changed with yeah. WCW offering guaranteed contracts. And, you know, a lot of people well, see, and, and see, that's the thing is that WCW comes along, and now there's competition. Yep. That's the difference. And, um, you know, I can't remember exactly what my contract was for. I remember it, if you don't mind me saying it, here on the podcast. Okay. You signed a three-year deal, um, and I think it was gonna it grew every year. So I want to say that it started at two hundred. The next year you're at three hundred. The next year you're at four hundred. I think it was something like that, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. 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 So pretty good, pretty good deal on guaranteed money. Well, you know? well, yeah. I mean, and it's guaranteed. Uh, yeah, totally guaranteed. In other words, whether I was there or I wasn't. Uh, and it was almost like a no cut, a no cut deal. Even even if they did, you know. And this basically happened for me, uh, you know. Like you know, when I went to work there, you know. And, and of course, you know, uh, Eric Eric Bischoff, you know, uh, nice guy. But back then, I mean, Eric Bischoff, you know, he didn't know squat about wrestling, and he's the boss. You know, so he, he's dependent on all these wrestlers, basically, to help him book the whole show. It was crazy. I mean, some of those meetings were insane. But, uh, but you know, he was getting being able to offer the money to the guys because of Turner. Yep. Uh, you know, Vince at that time was still just a millionaire and he was offering opportunity as opposed to guaranteed money. Uh, he's up against a billionaire who's offering guaranteed money. I'll tell you who's going to win that one every single time. Uh, it's it's yeah. always people are I'm sure everybody was looking to go and ring that cash register, man. Yeah. Um, well, so this whole thing about merch, though, it raises an interesting question in my mind. When you were in the WWF, I know that you would uh, receive payouts on your action figures, uh, but you didn't really have T-shirts. You were heel. 
right? So uh, like- yeah, I don't think I had any T-shirts, and 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 again, I still get a quarter a quarterly royalties check. No, because they they keep coming out with you know it's like <laughs> I haven't I haven't had tights on for thirty years, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, you know they're still making they have these these new action figures that I see that the kids will bring and have me sign. But where most of us made the most money was it's it's on the on the form in your you know when you when you get your royalties check and it lists you know and that's the other thing the percentages that we got oh gosh they were small ridiculously small and uh, um, but anyway. Um, I, I still uh, some quarterly royalty check, and most of the money was uh, made for most of us was uh, what they call electronics or the video games. Uh, the video games are the things that uh, brought brought in the most money. You know, it's uh, I'm sure that you were making a fair amount of added money with action figures. The nice thing about being uh, the top heel in the company is that when they make an action figure of you, the uh, people want a heel for their Hulk Hogan figure to beat up on. So yeah, it's like exactly it's it's, yeah. it's it's a good spot for you to be in. However, again, you didn't really have any T-shirts. And it does make me wonder, did the lack of merchandise back in your WWF days, did it ever make you kind of see like the kind of money these guys were pulling in, in and say like, I kind of want to turn baby face so I can make some of that damn, you know, get some more merch and make some of those uh, royalties. Well, I, I don't know if I ever gave it too much thought. No. I mean, you know, I was, I was being paid well. So, and, you know, uh, again, the other thing with the million dollar man character was, you know, first class, you know, airfare, limousines, all of that stuff. Uh, you know, hard to argue with that. And, uh, yeah, it's a tough job. Somebody had to do it. Because, <laughs> you know, Hulk and uh, Andre were the only other two people that got that kind of treatment. Pretty and, good spot. And, of course, and mine didn't, you know, mine didn't last forever, you know, either. So, I mean, but it was good while it lasted, that's for sure. And some guys never get it. So the yeah. fact that you had it even temporarily is incredible. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's also reported at this time that Dennis Rodman was negotiating with the WWF, but representatives wanted to give WCW a chance to match the offer, which of course WCW is going to. At the same time, Kevin Green, who's playing for the uh, Carolina Panthers, has been expressing interest in returning to WCW. Uh, Ted, did you get much time around either Rodman or Kevin Green when they were going no. in and out of the company? No. Never. No. You know, I, I, I wasn't interested. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's interesting because you're like Rodman's in the NWO. So are you. So like you're around him, but it's just like, you know, you were you were unimpressed with him overall. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, generally speaking, what do you think of these types of crossovers in wrestling? Is it good for it to have that kind of exposure or bad because the wrestlers always have to put the shine on the quote unquote real athletes? Um. You know, I, I, you know, Marcus, I, I, I don't know. I, uh, it's kind of like, it's a novelty. They're only, they're only going to be there for a short time. And, um, uh, and when the novelty, and when the novelties, you know, once you've spent it, you've spent it, you know, and then, then you got to find another novelty to replace it. 
Uh, well, look, we're not wasting any time this week before we get into our first clip. The Steiner brothers were forced to give back the WCW tag team titles the night after sold out because Bischoff said that Randy Anderson wasn't a sanctioned referee. But that's not quite enough for Hall Nash and Six. Six would film as the three tailed the Steiner brothers on the way to the next town, which brings us to this crazy clip. I want to get too close. Mr. Barracks, they're up to why don't you say we give him a little tap ski in Nairobi? <laughs> just, I mean, it'd be polite to say hello. Hey, what do you think? They're, you think they're looking for a Super 8 or a Budgetel or something to check Motel out? Six. Motel 6 split in the twin. Yeah. No, double heel. They'll get no, somebody they get else. single with the cop. Now, this is how you come to complete stop, boys. That was, yes. Right. Check both way. Proceed when clear. Let's see what they're say about. hello. What do you say, boys? I dare you. Dare me? I dare you. Ooh, I dare you. I dare you. Just a little hello. Just a little hello. Hi, guys. Whoa, how you doing? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, nice shot. Nice comeback. Nice shot. Oh. <laughs> wow. Good it's comeback. Good moment, up. Get him again. Get him. Woo. Woo. Hey, Oh my goodness. Hey, should we stop? Oh man, turn it off. Oh man. Anybody around? Let's go. Let's go. All right, so Ted, where are you at on attempted murder for a wrestling angle? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I've never seen that. Man, Marcus, you're great. You pull up stuff I never knew happened. I never knew that happened. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, obviously they they, they didn't really mean to. Flip the oh, card. No. Oh, no, that was the whole thing. Uh, so yeah. if, if you saw, there was like a little bit of a um, <clears throat> jostle of the camera ne- there at the end of it. And that's yeah. when they cut in the film. Uh, Hogan was buddies with a stunt driver that they hired. And they had the stunt driver in the car that, that made it flip. Um, oh, so okay. so it was, but it looked good. It looked real, you know, in real yeah. time watching it. It's like, oh, my God, they, they made him crash. <laughs> it looked real to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Man. So it looked good, but it's like uh, apparently there was a lot of blowback, and I'm not—I'm actually not that surprised that you uh, never saw this or don't really remember it because they like they showed it once on TV, then never brought it up again because there was so much blowback uh, from the audiences as a result of it that yeah. they just couldn't pursue it anymore. But yeah, that's something that people still point to all these years later. Like, hey, remember when they were so angry about the tag team titles they tried to kill the Steiner brothers? <laughs> wow. I mean, in all seriousness, pretty well done. But uh, do you think that this kind of thing is too far, too silly, or a pretty good piece of business? Oh gosh, you know, I, I don't know. To me, it's it's it, it all uh, it's got to all come back to the performance in the ring. Mm. You know, um, now I, I, you know you shoot at an angle I, I, again. That that was pretty impressive. Like wow, that they would go to those links, you know, and and but you know, I guess my my question would be, what was the payoff? Did they get the payoff that they expected from what for for what it cost them to, you know, total that car and 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 do that that piece? You know what I'm saying? 
you know, interestingly, uh, I don't think the world would ever quite find out if the payoff or if the game <laughs> was worth the squeeze, so to speak, because uh, I think that the the teams, it was Hall and Nash were set to meet the Steiners. I think it was going to be Spring Stampede 97. And unfortunately, uh, just before Spring Stampede, Scott Hall went into rehab. And so it wound up just being a singles match between Kevin Nash and Rick Steiner. And it was just like kind of deflated the whole thing. So to your point, they go to all this trouble. They hire a stunt driver. They film all this. They edited it up really well. And then I don't think it ever, we ever quite got a real payoff. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. frustrating, but man, it's uh, a lot of resources being used there in WCW at the time. And you're right. I think it looked pretty good. And, you know, for me, I'm like, OK, that's that's good entertaining TV. I'm a grown man. There's probably some children watching that thinking that their heroes, the Steiner brothers, possibly died in a car accident. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it makes you think. OK, let's take a minute to discuss our fantastic sponsor that is changing the lives of men everywhere. Of course, we are talking about Blue Chew. Are you ready to perform with the confidence of the million dollar man in the bedroom? Are you ready to leave your partner feeling like a million bucks? Are you ready to get that thing so hard you could go hunting with it? If the answer to all those questions is yes, it's time for you to give Blue Chew a try. Blue Chew can help increase your performance and regain that old confidence where it counts the very most. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so that you can plan ahead or be ready when that opportunity springs up. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part of it, it's all done online. You can forget about those visits to the doctor's office, no more weird, awkward, uncomfortable conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. It comes right to you. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But you know the drill, guys. There's not going to be anything discreet about your package. Men everywhere have never been more excited to see their mail carrier arrive because when your package arrives, your package arrives. Listen, I know what your next question is. Will it actually work? Why don't you try it for free and find out for yourself? Something free from the Million Dollar Man? That's right. You can try it right now for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's it. Place your order now and give your partner a very pleasant surprise. Women are attracted to confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Don't wait any longer. Time to chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Everybody's Got a Pod. You know, another piece of news regarding Hall and Nash is that apparently their old click buddy, Shawn Michaels, reached out to the to Hall at around this time, asking if there might be a spot for him in WCW. And for frame of reference, this is the WWF champion at the time calling to see if he could jump over. <laughs> uh, but rumor has it that he'll be dropping the belt back to Bret Hart coming up at WrestleMania 13, and he doesn't want to take the loss to his real life rival, despite the fact that Hart, Hart did him the favor the year prior. 
He's also apparently dealing with a knee injury, but uh, the severity of that injury has been disputed for years. Uh, Sean will instead opt to walk away from the WWF at this time, even though he remains under contract with them. So, Ted, I know this is a WCW episode, but this is a clip and a promo that has now become infamous in wrestling. And I'd be willing to bet that you've never seen it or heard of it. Let's have a look at Sean's promo before he legitimately did, would step away from the WWF for a little bit. Uh, the schedule over the last year I took on because I didn't feel like I could say no. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to enjoy my life as a champion. I wanted to I wanted to ride in Lear Jackson. I wanted to ride in limousines and I wanted to be on TV shows and I wanted to do autograph sessions and and I got to do every bit of that. And if nothing else, I have all of that to take with me. But again, and I know right now we're in the middle of a time where toughness is real big here in the World Wrestling Federation. And unfortunately, all I've got right now for you is a lot of sorrow, a lot of tears, and a lot of emotion. I don't have any toughness for anybody. Um, so I guess, you know, here you go. Here's your belt. And uh, what I'm going to do is go back home and see what's left for me, whether it be in this ring, whether it be out of this ring. I know that over uh, the last several months, I've lost a lot of things, and one of them has been my smile. And, and I know it doesn't mean a whole lot to everybody else, but it means a lot to me. So I have to go back and fix myself and take care of myself. And I have to go back and I have to find my smile because somewhere along the line, I lost it. Okay, there you have it. Shawn Michaels loses his smile and goes home. It's a tearful promo. Uh, he's willfully giving up the WWF championship, admitting to not being a tough guy. Straight uh, out of the Bill Watts playbook, right, Ted? Well, not quite. Right? I never saw that. I, I had a feeling because you're on the other channel. It's I know you're not watching this stuff, but man, everybody calls that the Sean loses his smile promo. And it, it like a lot of people point to it as kind of like a slap in the face to the business. I don't know. Uh, you know, in seriousness, I know that you weren't there, but uh, neither were most of the fans who remark on the situation and voice their opinions one way or another. So okay, I, was, well, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, I, I guess was this this promo a shoot? It was. That was real life. Shawn Michaels was really saying, like, uh, couldn't do it anymore. He was citing the knee injury. But yeah, again, okay. But I, I guess the other question I would have was, did Vince McMahon, who was holding the microphone, knew know that, Vince, that Shawn was going to say those things? Yep. So they had had a conversation ahead of time where Sean was saying, hey, look, you know, my knee is is in rough shape. And but, you know, the thing is that, uh, again, WrestleMania 13 is right around the corner. And Sean is expected to drop this belt to Bret Hart after Bret did the favor for him at WrestleMania 12. Right. And everybody knows that Sean does not like Bret and Bret does not like Sean. Uh, and now it's his turn to do a little back and forth. And he, you know, the time is coming up and he's like, oh, boy, this knee injury. Plus, I'm a little bit depressed. The business, you know, it's a, it's been hard miles on me. I think I need to step away. And he gives up the belt. 
Yeah. Wow. I mean, so outside looking in, Ted, again, you're not there. Uh, do you think that the uh, position of WWF champion is just too much pressure for some folks? Or do you think that Shawn Michaels during this time was maybe not in the right headspace? Well, you know, again, I don't know what Shawn might have, what he was saying. It sounded like it, you know, it didn't sound like a promo. It sounded like it was coming straight from his heart. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think that part of it might, might have been very, very real. I mean, to be in the position he was in. Now, here's a guy that's carrying the WWE World Championship, and he's going to give it up. Wow. Crazy, isn't it? You know, crazy. I mean, you know, making the money that goes along with that. Shawn Michaels yeah. was apparently making something like seven hundred and fifty grand a year, and probably more uh, after merch sales and whatnot at this time. And he's saying, you know what, I'm going to walk away from it. Uh, so something was going on. Whether that be that he just wanted to wait until after WrestleMania come back, which is what happened. He would come back following WrestleMania 13. Uh, so it's, it, it does kind of feel like, Hey, look, he doesn't like Bret Hart. This is a good excuse. His knee was legitimately injured. Maybe not as bad as he's letting on. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to step away. Oh, WrestleMania 13 is over. And I don't have to do the job. Hey, I'm back. That's at least been like the kind of the opinion of fans. Again, I wasn't there. You weren't there. We don't know, but yeah, just, yeah you know, I want to get your opinion on this, uh, just from kind of an outside looking in thing. Cause yeah. uh, we, we hear fan opinions all the time, but you're one of the, one of the guys that was, yeah, and, I, and and of course, you know, and I, you know, I didn't know that. See, I didn't. I stayed. I stayed. I strived to. I, I went out of my way to stay away from the controversies. Smart. You know, I tried to get along with 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 everybody, um, and you know, of course, the, the new Shawn Michaels, the Shawn Michaels who has. You know, now uh, giving his heart to Jesus Christ and is a very strong Christian. You know, that's the Sean I know today and then who I admire very much. Very different man. Very different man. And um, uh, and he'd be the first guy to tell you. You know, you know, we all he, you know, like I could see where nobody liked who I was. <laughs> <laughs> He's self-aware. You've got to give him that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, well, another question, then we'll let go of the subject of uh, of Sean here losing his smile. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but I think it's still worth asking. Have you ever disliked anyone in wrestling enough to refuse to put them over? No. Never? No. I, I can't think of anybody that... Uh that I had, you know, yeah, it was like, I got along with everybody. And I, you know, I, 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 I stayed away from the, um, I don't know how I managed to do that. I mean, I got, I pretty much got along with everybody, uh, you know, and, and, and it's kind of like, um, kind of like Andre. If, you know, if Andre liked you, you knew it. Mm-hmm. And if Andre didn't like you, chances are you were going to, you were going to know that too. You know, but there wasn't any, you know, there was, uh, you know, there wasn't anybody in wrestling that I just loathe, that I just, you know, like, you know, the dirt bag. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Yeah, we've talked a number of times about you disliking the Ultimate Warrior, Buzz Sawyer, like a bunch well, of guys yeah. along the way. However, and, 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 and again, like you said, the Ultimate Warrior is the is the one person I've worked with him maybe one 
one time and had to put him over and I hated it. But, you know, despite the fact that you didn't like him, you you were a businessman and you put him over yeah, and same thing with, with other guys along the way. And that's why I hear Jake say all the time is like, man, there there have been a lot of guys I've stepped into the ring with. and I didn't like, but I'll let anybody pin me because it's a job. That's all yeah. there is to it. It's your job. Yeah. Um, OK, we can get back to WCW and Super Bowl at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. It draws 13,000 fans for a gate of one hundred and ninety two thousand dollars, plus another ninety three thousand dollars in merch. Ted, when you think about the Cow Palace, do any particular matches or events stand out for you personally? Mm, 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 mm. Oh, wow. I'm sure you've been there a lot. Yeah, you know, I, I was there a lot. And you know, I can't. You know, I you know, <laughs> I just can't think of any one match. You know, um, but I, I mean, obviously, we always looked forward to going there because, you know, the San Francisco. That's basically San Francisco, mm -hmm. and you know, those crowds were always good. I mean, you know, they weren't always through the roof, but they were always good. So it was, you know, you were always going to make good money there. Um, well, here in San Francisco, the story is that Piper has locked himself in Alcatraz for a week in order to get himself in the frame of mind to face Hogan at Super Bowl. Does this ring a bell for you at all, Ted? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, just in case you need a little reminder about it, it's going to be our final clip this week. It's some pretty wild shit as we see Roddy Piper escape Alcatraz ahead of the big pay-per-view. to pay the piper now. I didn't spend seven days in hell for nothing. And Hogan, you're an extinction. You're an endangered species. Now get that thing out of my face. <laughs> Goodbye! San Francisco! Hogan! Okay. 
I loved Roddy. Uh, he, was, <laughs> he really was a great guy. What a and, and, he, and he was a hell of a worker. Yeah, great yeah. worker, knew how to get over, knew how to cut a promo, and knew how oh, to yeah. act. Not bad oh, yeah. acting there. Did you uh, watch any of his I, films? Yeah, I never saw that before. Oh, you haven't? No. <laughs> Marcus, you're amazing. It. It's like it's like it's like I'm going, gosh, you know, uh did I did I miss half of my career or what? <laughs> In fairness, you probably heard about it, but it's like you you guys aren't watching, you know, like the pre-show vignettes or anything like that. You're backstage getting ready or, yeah, or yeah, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh yeah, so it's it's just really funny. Uh, I'm glad I can introduce you to the strange shit that happened in WCW <laughs> and elsewhere but uh you know i'm curious you're watching it with fresh eyes ted uh and you certainly you've got more knowledge than just about anybody i know when it comes to wrestling uh do you think this was a good way to set up a big fight between hogan and piper or too cheesy or what are your thoughts on this sort of thing uh well i mean you know if you knew roddy piper and and his character and, and, and the, and you saw some of the other interviews and the way he did his interviews, you know, then you wouldn't be all that surprised by that. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I, I thought it was, I kind of liked it. <laughs> although, although back then I never saw it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, it's good. You got fresh eyes. Well, I mean, obviously it worked because we draw a hell of a house. Dude, huge house, huge reaction. And, uh, man, overall, the pay-per-view is pretty well received. Uh, one of the top matches from the Observer standpoint is a Lucha-style match. Conan, La Parca, and Viano 4 take on Juventud Guerrera, Super Calo, and Ciclope. Uh, these matches were normally how Nitros and pay-per-views would get kicked off because Bischoff has said that he wanted to kind of capture the audience's attention right away with some high-flying, entertaining car crash-type matches. Ted, yeah. what, what did you think of the Lucha influence on the American product at this time? Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know how the fans uh, took it. I mean, I, I mean, I, again, I'm old school. And to me, Lucha is like, you tell me a story. Don't just go in the ring and bounce around the ring like a, a, a ping pong ball and just high spot after high spot after high spot. The high spots that the guys did were impressive, mm -hmm. but they don't mean anything. It's just one bump, another bump, you know, this way, that way. And then all of a sudden somebody goes down after the 25th backdrop or whatever it is and, and, and gets beat. Yeah. So I, I was, I was, I, I've never been one that was much into Lucha. I mean, and if you, if you watched, I mean, like, okay, Chavo Guerrero, Chavo Jr., um, the Guerreros, the Guerreros didn't wrestle like that. They were a whole other style of Lucha. Yeah. Well, they were, they were our style. Yes. They was like tell the story, you know. You know, like it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like you do all this, you know, like the if you just go out and do a, a bunch of bumps, bump, 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 bump. Yeah, well, it doesn't mean anything. But if you tell a story, and and then at, at some point you take this enormous bump over the top rope and you hit the floor, and it takes you a while to get up, you know, and the, and the referees count and everything, and you manage to get back in the ring and everything. 
now you know and you're the baby face now the now the people are are now their people are, are are cheering you on they're they're wanting to see you get back up to, to your feet and and you make a slow methodical comeback you know like you know uh, the guy comes to get you and the, you punch him in the gut and he bends over and you get him and you climb you know and you pull yourself up to the, the ropes and here he comes again you know and he actually gets you and he shoots you in but you duck and you hit him with something else and uh and, and then you just explode See, that, uh, I mean, you can see that. You can visualize that as I'm, I'm, I'm telling the story. Well, that you, you visualize that. But if two guys go in the ring and they go, bing, 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 you know, it's like I couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I was never, in, well, you know, I was never, I, I was impressed by the stuff they could do, but I was never impressed with their work because it, this, it, it, was, it was senseless to me. Impressive looking moves, but unimpressive storytelling. Yeah. yeah. I, I it's like, right. you know, yeah, it's just bing, 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 bing. It's like a bunch of flying ants. Well, uh, let's get to the main event. Piper and Hogan are squaring off, and Piper's going to put Hogan to sleep, but the match will be restarted because Hogan's feet were moved under the ropes by Randy Savage. Uh, and then Savage is going to give Hogan brass knucks, which Hulk will use for the win, and Macho Man is officially part of the NWO. Uh, the two will beat on Piper as the show wraps up. So, Ted, Randy Savage is joining the NWO here. The big argument here is that WCW was not only signing a lot of guys who were uh, of advanced age, but they were also making them the feature act on pay-per-view and paying them the most money, despite the fact that they hardly had to work. I can see where that would upset a lot of folks, but I also see that WCW is using established names to draw crowds, as clearly they did here in, uh, in San Francisco. And, you know, they're trying to recoup all the money that they're spending on guys like Hogan and Savage. So was it ultimately a big mistake, do you think, for WCW not to push younger talents more? Or do you feel that it was really the only card they had to play at the time? Well, I think it's the only card they had to play at the time because there wasn't really anybody there. You know, there there, there was no um, Pat Patterson. Uh, the, 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 you know, the, the, any one of a number of guys who, you know, you got a bunch of wrestlers and, 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 and you got a bunch, okay. You got, you got Hogan, you, and you got Savage and you got, uh, Hall and Nash, you know, and, and everybody's they're, they're fighting for a position. That's, that's basically what they're doing. And I was so glad that I was uh, a manager <laughs> by this, by this time in the game. Uh, cause in, you know, and I didn't act, so I didn't have to worry about that, you know, and let, let them do what they want to do. Uh, what I knew is that for the first time in my life, I had a three year, no cut contract and, and, and I, and, and here's what, here's what happened. I told them, I said, look, <clears throat> I said, I'm a heel manager. Um, but you know, I am. A, I've become a man of faith, you know, and I'm 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 making a lot of appearances on Christian television, sharing my story. I said you might think about uh, you know turning me baby face in, in some way, and and I can't remember even how they did it, but it, they did some deal where I ended up with the Steiner brothers, and I'm their manager, and that's how you know, and 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 uh, um, it was kind of like. And that's all I had to show. I didn't, you know, all I had to do was show up for the TV and the pay-per-view. Pretty good gig. 
pretty good gig. Yeah, I mean, for and for three three years, I, I get paid. So not bad at all. And uh, we are gonna continue having fun here on the show next week as we are gonna do another edition of Ask Ted Anything. Uh, candidly, as this podcast drops on Friday the sixteenth, that is the due date for my wife to give birth to our daughter. Uh, oh. but who knows when this little critter is going to cut, going to show up. So it's just so everybody knows. I mean, uh, uh, you know, if, if something or unforeseen happens, then, uh, we'll just see you whenever we see you. That's, That's right. Yeah. One way or the other, we'll get you something. It might be a compilation episode. If I'm in the hospital and we can't record or whatever's going on, we'll figure something out. Uh, but rest assured, you know, we, we will be back in action uh, with with Ask Ted Anything in the coming weeks, uh, whether it's next week or the week after. <laughs> um, look, before we go, I need to remind everyone to get over to our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod. Go and get subscribed. Ted and I have a lot of short clips over there, including YouTube exclusive clips. We release every week with stories that you don't get to hear on the show. So if you love the show and you love what we're doing, obviously, if you're listening to this, that's a fact that. And you're missing out on some stories. Get over to youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod and get subscribed. Also, I've mentioned it. The Hacksaw Hour is rocking and rolling. And as you're listening to this, we just released a new episode yesterday with Jim talking about his rivalry with Yokozuna and the WWF in 1993 and the knockdown challenge segment where poor Jim was crushed by Yoko. Um, so seriously, if you're not subscribed over there, over there on YouTube, you're missing some really great stuff. Again, one more time youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod follow ted on social media at mdm ted dibiase on all platforms follow me at marcus p d'angelo on x and follow the podcast at ted dibiase pod on all social media platforms Ted, i love looking back to the nwo days and wcw it was a short period of time in your career but holy smokes man the, the product was red hot and you were right in the, oh, thick of the action oh gosh it, it, it was crazy hey and uh, uh tell my buddy jim that i uh send my best and uh, just remind him that everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> I'll give Jim your best and we'll see you guys next week right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.